Good morning. It's Tuesday. A new barrage of Russian missiles raining down on Ukraine overnight. So how will the world respond? It's October 11th. This is today. Under siege. Sirens blaring across Ukraine for the second day in a row as Russia steps up its most aggressive attacks since the early days of the invasion. Ukraine's leader begging for more support. President Biden pledging to deliver it with all eyes on Vladimir Putin's next move. We're live with complete coverage from inside Russia and Ukraine. Hanging in the balance with just four weeks to go, the race to the midterms is heating up. Early voting in some states getting underway. Straight ahead, we'll break down the key races to watch from coast to coast. Alarming hacks. U.S. airports, including two of the nation's largest, targeted in a coordinated cyber attack. This morning, the Russian group now claiming responsibility and the growing concern that more from banks to hospitals could be on the way. In the nick of time, a life-saving rescue off the Louisiana coast caught on camera. The crew of a sunken fishing boat pulled to safety after floating in the Gulf and fighting off sharks for more than 24 hours. We actually were able to recover one of the life jackets that had been eaten through by a shark. Inside their harrowing ordeal and the miracle that led the Coast Guard to them. All that plus primed and ready. Amazon's early holiday deals go live overnight. We've got everything you need to know to score the best deal. Today, Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Welcome to today. So happy that you are joining us on this Tuesday morning. Our top story, cities across Ukraine facing the grim aftermath of Russia's newest missile assault. Yeah, nearly 100 missiles fired into that country over the past 24 hours. New attacks overnight. One Kiev resident telling NBC News those bombings were so scary it felt like February 24th, referring, of course, to the day that Vladimir Putin first launched Russia's full-scale invasion. This new wave of brutal violence, damaging infrastructure, causing rolling blackouts as the war escalates and the cold winter months approach. We've got it all covered from Moscow to Kiev. Uh, NBC's Cal Perry is right there. Uh, Cal, Ukraine woke up to a second day of missile strikes. You're right there on the ground. Tell us about it. Yeah, good morning, Hoda. This is a city that is weary after a night of air raid sirens and the sounds of rockets being shot out of the sky, at least two rockets shot out of the sky above Kiev. But not all cities so lucky. The city of Zaporizhia taking 12 rocket hits. One person is dead there. And in the western part of the country, the city of Lviv is without power. This city is surveying the damage, Hoda. We are here at the site where one of the rockets landed. You can see the damage is extensive. It is a miracle that no one was killed here because this was a park that was full of people. And on top of that, this is a popular playground for children in the Kiev area. We've been here all morning, Hoda. We've been watching as children come to this site, asking to take selfies of the playground that they used to enjoy before the rockets hit. It is incredibly difficult to watch, Hoda. Oh, it is difficult to watch, Cal. And speaking of young kids, um, there's this heartbreaking video that went viral. A young girl was uh, taking a video of herself. She was walking through Kiev, and she was nearly hit by a rocket. Let's take a look at it.
Okay, that is just so heartbreaking to watch. And I can only imagine that one captured on video, how many of those scenes are playing out across Ukraine. And it is what so many people felt yesterday morning, whether you're targeting a civilian population or hitting it, it's a distinction without a difference. Take a look at this. We wanted to show you this was a park bench yesterday morning. And you can tell when civilians come and they see this, how terrifying it can be, Hoda. Horrible. All right, Cal Perry for us there in Kiev. Cal, thank you so much. How is this new aggression from Vladimir Putin being received in Russia? NBC's chief international correspondent, Keir Simmons, is there. He's in Moscow for us. Keir, good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. Western officials are describing Russia's latest onslaught on Ukraine as desperate. That, of course, is not the message from the Kremlin this morning. This is the front page of Russia's government newspaper with a picture of Vladimir Putin and the headline, no one should have any doubts. This morning, more attacks following what President Putin called his massive strike across Ukraine yesterday, potentially marking a new escalation in the conflict. With his retaliation for the attack on his prized Crimea bridge, the Russian leader responding to internal pressure to hit back. The dramatic attacks on civilian centers signaling an uptick in violence as Russia aims to turn the tide after military setbacks. The US concerned. President Biden speaking with President Zelensky, pledging to provide support, including air systems. Today, President Putin will meet with the head of the UN nuclear watchdog, traveling to Russia after meeting with President Zelensky, trying to negotiate a demilitarized zone around a nuclear power station. While President Zelensky is set to speak at an emergency meeting of the G7, on the agenda, is this a new phase in Russia's offensive? Russia is drafting 300,000 men. At a mobilization station 100 miles outside Moscow, this man says he's sending his 22-year-old grandson to fight. I feel positive, he says. This woman's husband and father to her child is leaving. She says, I have an emptiness inside. Russia's newly appointed commander of its Ukraine operation has a ruthless reputation. He was on the ground in Syria when Aleppo was leveled. The hardliners around President Putin increasingly vocal, like Chechen warlord Ramzan Kadyrov, who posted video of his sons firing automatic weapons and rocket launchers, saying he was sending them to fight in Ukraine. This morning, we met 61-year-old Alexander Solodovnikov, a Moscow businessman driving a cab for now. He says he's met young people fleeing the country and men going to fight. For some of the reason or for reason, fleeing the country, someone staying. He says he even took a pregnant wife around Moscow, buying clothes for her husband on the front line. Yes, because she's, she loves her husband and she wants to get him the best. So here for the past couple of days, we've been watching this escalation, Putin's escalation. Is that sustainable going yeah. forward? Well, that is the question being loudly asked in the West, Hoda, uh, but not here. Since the beginning of this conflict, I have asked Russian government officials, what do you do if Russia's strategy doesn't work? They didn't have an answer in February and they don't seem to have an answer now. But we just have heard from the Russian foreign ministry in the past hour, Hoda, Sergei Lavrov, asked about negotiations. He says the U.S. says it's open to negotiations with Russia, but this is a lie. We haven't received any serious offers of contact. Hoda? 
right? Keir Simmons for us there in Moscow. Keir, thank you. We turn now to the high stakes midterms election day, exactly four weeks away. And the balance of power on Capitol Hill is at stake. There are key races to watch from coast to coast. NBC national political correspondent Steve Kornacki is here along with the big board to show us where things stand. Let's set the table first. We're four weeks out from election day. Nothing less than control of Congress in both houses is on the ballot. Yeah, I mean, Democrats come into this with control of both chambers, but barely. I mean, take a look at this 50 50 in the Senate. Remember, Kamala Harris as the vice president breaks the tie for the Democrats right now. And on the House side, the Democrats, this is their majority, 222, 213. It means the Republicans, if they can just pick up five seats in the House, Republicans would flip it and would have control of it. Well, let's talk about the president's approval rating. At usually in a midterm election, the party in the White House loses seats. What does the approval rating tell us about this? Yeah, and this is where Democrats, I think, are in some of their biggest trouble, because take a look at it. This is the average of all the polls out there right now. Joe Biden's approval rating, 42.9%. And if you look at the recent presidents who've taken a drubbing in midterm elections, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, go back to Bill Clinton, their numbers looked just like this. So that's the trouble sign for Democrats. But what's not quite tracking with that, it's interesting. This is the generic ballot where you ask folks in polling, do you want the Republicans or the Democrats to control Congress? Republicans lead on this, but you can see that's less than one point. That's a 0.9% lead for Republicans. In the past, you'd expect that to be higher. So a little bit of an uncertainty there. Yeah. So you'd, you'd expect there to be a, a more of a difference there. Let's talk about some of the issues, because perhaps that is the explanation. What's animating these races? Yeah. And I think you can see two areas here where the Republican advantage really comes from. This is our NBC poll. We asked folks, what's the most important issue to you? And I think you can kind of merge these two jobs, economy, inflation. If you add them together, that's 34 percent. Basically, a third of the electorate says that's the top issue, the inflation or economy for them. Republicans have an advantage combined on those two of nearly 30 points over the Democrats. Republicans also with a nearly 30-point advantage on crime. You see Republicans running ads on crime all over the country. What's keeping Democrats in it? Well, abortion, only 8% cite abortion as the top issue after that Supreme Court ruling, but a huge Democratic advantage on the question of abortion. And this up here, threats to democracy. Democrats have been trying to make Donald Trump January 6th the front and center issue. Folks who cite threats to democracy overwhelmingly Democratic as well. We mentioned control of Congress is at stake here. It could come down to just a handful of key races that make that decision. Let's take a look at the Senate where we say 50-50 and Republicans needing a net gain of one seat. This right here on paper is the Republicans' best chance at the Senate. This is Nevada, Adam Laxalt challenging the incumbent, Catherine Cortez Masto. This right now, the only race where the Republican challenger is leading. So if the Republicans could get Nevada, that could be that net gain of one seat that they need. But there's also a Republican-held seat. This is Pennsylvania. Pat Toomey's a Republican. He's not running for re-election, but it's a Republican-held seat. And the Democrats, this right now, the only Republican-held seat, the Democrats lead in. John Fetterman, the Democrat, leading Mehmet Oz. So a chance for Democrats potentially to make an inroad there. And then the most interesting and uncertain race, it's down in Georgia. Raphael Warnock, you remember, was elected two years ago. Herschel Walker, all sorts of controversy around Walker. Warnock leading in the poll. And here's the catch. In Georgia, there's a runoff rule. There's a third-party candidate, and if nobody gets 50%, it goes to a runoff in December. We could be just like we were two years ago, waiting on a Georgia runoff to tell us who controls the Senate. Yeah, we've seen that movie before. All right, Steve Kornacki will be with you lots as we watch these races unfold. Thank you very much. Hoda. All right, thanks, Savannah. Also this morning, we're learning more about an alarming rise in cyber attacks 
targeting key U.S. institutions. The latest happened just yesterday when more than a dozen websites for major airports, including LAX and Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson, were temporarily knocked offline. Pro-Russian hackers now claiming responsibility. NBC's technology correspondent Jacob Ward joins us with the latest. It sounds kind of scary. How significant were those attacks, Jake? Well, Hoda, the good news and the bad news is basically that in this case, the good news is essentially this was an annoyance more than anything really fundamental. The more than a dozen airports that you mentioned were simply overwhelmed by traffic to their public-facing websites. They did not get inside things like air traffic control systems or the scheduling systems that would have really brought an airport to its knees. Uh, Also, only a very small number of airports were affected all told. This one, Oakland International was not among those affected. Now, here's the bad news. The bad news is this is an increase in hostilities we are seeing here, and it seems to be coming from pro-Kremlin hackers whose point here seems to be to try to inflict pain or at least annoyance on countries that have been supportive of Ukraine. Today, they shut down uh, you know, a set of websites. Tomorrow, it could be something more sinister, Hoda. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something needs to be done, but the question is, how do you prevent these kind of attacks? Well, we know at this point that CISA, the cyber agency that coordinates the response, says that they are looking into this and assisting. Uh, The Department of Transportation did not offer comment on this particular case. You know, at this point, it's a reminder that really we are only as well protected as the least protected parts of our essential infrastructure. We've seen in recent weeks schools and regional hospitals fall prey to ransomware attacks. Those are much more serious kinds of attacks. But airports, fortunately, seem to have buttoned up a pretty good IT protocol. So it's just a reminder, again, we are only as well protected as the least protected nodes. Hopefully, essential infrastructure does not come under attack from something more sinister down the line. Yeah. All right, Jake. It's good that no flights were affected, things like that. But again, those websites. All right. Thank you, Jake. A lot more to cover this morning. Craig joins us. Good morning. Hey, Savannah. Hold it. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Jamie Dimon, the chief executive of J.P. Morgan Chase, America's largest bank, is warning that the United States could go into a recession next year. In an interview with CNBC, Dimon said the economy is, quote, still doing well, but that is likely to change in the coming months. You can't talk about the economy without talking about the stuff in the future. And this is serious stuff, okay? This is inflation, which obviously is, you know, changing the effect of those numbers I just told you about. It's rates going up more than people expected already. And it's the war. And these are very, very serious things, which I think are likely to push the U.S. Uh, and you know, the world. I mean, Europe is already in a recession. And they're likely to put U.S. in some kind of recession six, nine months from now. Diamond went on to say that he's not sure just how long that recession might last, saying it could could be anywhere from very mild to quite hard. Let's get our first check of the weather. Mr. Roker, good morning. Did Dell stay up the whole time? No, 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 that would have been way too bad. It's not the first quarter, though. All right, there you go. All right, well, let's show you what we've got going on. Uh, You know what? If you got out this weekend to look at the fall foliage, it was spectacular. It's so bright, you can actually see it from space. This is New England. You can see those oranges right there and the the maroon colors, and you, you move into the Midwest as well from Chicago to Green Bay to Marquette, all beautiful weather. And one of the things that helps bring out those colors, the cool morning temperatures, frost and freeze advisories from Oswego, New York, Oneonta, all the way to Bangor and Portland to this morning, a chilly start. Syracuse, 36, Saranac Lake, 24, it's 51 in New York City. Balmer looking at a temperature of 43 degrees. But a good portion of the country, there's this big Bermuda high. It's pumping up all this warm air from the Gulf of Mexico all the way on up into 
the Midwest, the upper Great Lakes. Highs today anywhere from 15 to 25 degrees above average. Minneapolis, you are going to be looking at temperatures more like August today. It'll be 81 degrees in Minneapolis. Omaha, 85. Denver, 75. Same in Detroit. That's 11 degrees above average. Tomorrow, that warmth moves to the east. New York City, we're going to be 71 degrees. Lexington, Kentucky, 78. Dallas, 91 degrees. Temperatures become more seasonal as we move into the weekend with 70s in St. Louis, uh, mid-50s Detroit, Raleigh into the upper 60s. And as we move into next week, much warmer out west, but colder from the Great Lakes into the northeast, even down into the southeast. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Coming up, we're going to take you inside the dramatic rescue of a group of fishermen forced to fight off sharks for more than a day after their boat sank in the Gulf. Wait till you find out how they got rescued. Sam, this is a wild story. Wild and improbable, Savannah. Their hands were bitten all the way down to the bone almost by those sharks. They were stranded in the Gulf of Mexico for 28 hours and yet a single text message that was somehow able to get out saved their lives. That story coming up next. Oh, my gosh. Dramatic. Uh, and then Amazon leaps into the holiday discounts, kicking off its prime early access sale overnight. We got your guide to the best bargains and some helpful tips to help you maximize your savings. But first, this is today on NBC. Oh, fingers. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's a big one. Move over, Charlie Brown. <laughs> that is a great pumpkin. <laughs> Weighing in at a whopping 2,560 pounds. Oh, my God. That gorge squashed the competition at an annual contest in California. Wow. What Look at that. Hug. Look how it rests because it can't stand up. I mean, it's so huge. So it actually was a horticulture teacher from Minnesota. That was his pumpkin, yeah. and he drove it. Because, I mean, you can't check that in overhead. You have to drive. 35 hours across the country. There you go. Congratulations, Yes, sir. Wow. congrats. Oh, worth it. It was yeah. worth every mile. All right, let's uh, check our 730 headlines, guys. Iran is intensifying its crackdown as protests rage on across the country. Riot police fired into at least one neighborhood. Weeks of protests followed the arrest and death of a young woman who violated the nation's strict dress code. Almost 100 cities has, have been engulfed by these demonstrations, many of them women, most of them women, who are clashing with violent security forces. Uvalde's school district superintendent announced yesterday he plans to retire by the end of the academic year. Hal Harrell's retirement was posted on his wife's Facebook page, and it comes following months of community outrage over the handling of that deadly shooting. 19 fourth graders and two teachers killed at Robb Elementary School. Texas lawmakers issued a damning report this summer that found, quote, systemic failures and poor decision-making by both police and school officials. So the president of the Los Angeles City Council has stepped down from her leadership role after an audio recording of racist remarks surfaced. During a meeting last year, Mary Martinez likened a colleague's black son, who was two years old at the time, to an animal. In a statement yesterday, Martinez apologized, saying in part, quote, I take responsibility for what I said, and there are no excuses for those comments. Martinez, however, did not say she was resigning from her council seat. And now to a story that people will be talking about for years to come. A miraculous rescue of three fishermen off the coast of Louisiana who survived rough waters and shark attacks for more than a day after their boat sank. It's just incredible. NBC's Sam Drock joins us. Brock joins us with the details. And Sam, good morning to you. 
guys, good morning. They set out in the morning, these three boaters, when they did not return by sunset, one of their spouses contacted the Coast Guard, which searched an area the size of Rhode Island with marginal chances for survival. The Coast Guard says somewhere around 10 or 15 percent. And yet they were aided by one fateful clue. This morning, an unbelievable rescue in shark-infested waters. Three missing boaters saved in the Gulf of Mexico while fending off a swarm of sharks. They had multiple lacerations on their hand, um, almost down to the bone. The three fishermen had been floating in the water for 28 hours. That's clear the vessel. One man found drifting, hoisted in the air, assisted by a rescue swimmer. The other two, nearly half a mile away, clinging to a cooler as rescuers saw as many as four sharks circling nearby. The men set out from Venice, Louisiana Saturday morning, but never returned home. For hours, Coast Guard teams searched the massive area by air and sea. And then around noon Sunday, a miraculous stroke of luck. One of the men, somehow able to get cell phone service briefly, sending a rough Google Maps location. He told me he had 2% battery. And uh, he, he fired off that text message. With no coordinates, the rescuers managing to track them down anyway. Using kind of geolocation and, and orienting ourselves to the map and some of the contours uh, from Google Maps of the Gulf of Mexico, we're able to, in the command center, uh, identify the location. Within two hours, the boaters were spotted some 25 miles offshore. We actually were able to recover one of the life jackets that had been eaten through by a shark. Two were bitten and all three exhausted and treated for hypothermia, but incredibly alive. It's difficult for us to describe how lucky they were that all these things happened in their favor. Uh, it's just incredible. And Sam, tell us more about these conditions they were facing. Yeah, it's pretty tough. In addition to rough water, Savannah, three to five foot waves, marine experts also say there's a higher number of sharks right now in the Gulf than normal. We're talking about bull and tiger sharks. As we heard a second ago, one of the boaters happened to, in a small window, receive a text message from friends and family saying, where are you guys? The Coast Guard is searching for you right now. He takes a picture and sends that out somehow with 2% battery left. The text message goes out hours later. They locate these boaters. Uh, miraculous is the word there, Sam. Thank you very much. And heroic, the actions of the Coast Guard yes. folks oh who God. conducted that rescue. Yes. And also the fact that they were half a mile apart. Like they found one of the people and then had to find the other two. That's amazing. Amazing cool. also that that guy's got some incredible <sighs> cell service. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's just wow. <laughs> coming <Good>. up. LeBron <laughs> James's son, Bronnie, taking a new step into the spotlight. The major endorsement deal that he just signed. And again, he's just a senior in high school. But first, two days of deals. Emily Akeda has everything we need to know about the big holiday discounts are being rolled out by Amazon today, Em. Hey there, Hoda. This is a first for Amazon. Two major sales events within one year. We're talking 50, 60, 70% off. Coming up, we'll walk you through some of the best deals and explain what lightning deals are. Stay with us. We're back 740, our ongoing series, Consumer Confidential. And this morning, Amazon's entry into the crowded field of early 
holiday discount. It's early access sale launched overnight. It's targeting Prime members who are looking to save some money. So here to help you navigate all of those deals, NBC's Emily Iketa. Emily, good morning. Good morning to you all. We've been keeping tabs on the growing list of big box retailers bumping up Black Friday as excess inventory clogs store shelves and inflation puts pressure on people's wallets. Already, research shows online sales are up 10% compared to this time last year. And now Amazon joins the mix. So this morning, we're diving into the new deals at the online giant so you can save big on your holiday shopping. It's a season of savings unlike any other as Amazon joins the race this morning to win over inflation-weary Americans wanting to spread out their holiday spending. Having sales like this that happen now in October and then again in November as part of cyber, I think it's really important to give people the choice for when and how to shop. With holiday spending now anticipated to grow at its slowest pace since 2015, Amazon is dropping hundreds of thousands of deals for Prime members in its early access sale today and tomorrow. From 80% off some Fire TVs to 70% off select Echo devices, experts say the steepest sales will be on Amazon products. But shoppers will also find slashed prices for other brands, including Peloton, KitchenAid, Adidas, and some of the season's most coveted toys. You've got six kids. How big of a deal is finding those really super sales? Essentially, it makes or breaks Christmas. Lorraine White was up at 4.30 this morning to start monitoring Amazon's top 100 list, which drops deals throughout the two-day event. And we've got the top tips to help maximize your savings. First, click on the Lightning Deals button for big discounts lasting just a short amount of time, typically an hour or two. Getting the essentials on those sales really saved me a lot of money. That's for sure. Savings tip number two, know what to buy now versus later. While it's important to snag your must-haves before they go out of stock, experts say you may be able to get even deeper discounts on many TVs, computers, and sporting goods over Thanksgiving weekend. When Black Friday rolls around, those items are probably going to be bundled with some pretty hefty gift card deals. And finally, don't let these big sales blow your budget. A new report reveals 40% of consumers are having a harder time affording their bills compared to a year ago. And credit card debt is getting more expensive with interest rates eclipsing 18%. So experts say make your shopping list early and stick to it be mindful of your purchases and to do your absolute best to try to pay it off before the end of the billing period, before the interest has a chance to accrue. Good tip there. Emily, is it safe to assume that other major retailers are going to follow suit and add add some of these early shopping days going forward? Well, we definitely have seen that so far. More people getting into the game, joining this race to win over customers. As for, you know, is Amazon going to continue to roll out biannual events like this? It's not entirely clear, but they're definitely testing the waters, trying to lure in more customers to join their prime membership, a membership that just a membership that just increased for the first time since 2018. Mm-hmm. It hiked the price from one hundred nineteen dollars to one thirty nine. So definitely a strategic move on Amazon's part. Well, all right, Emily. Uh, thank, thank you. you. And by the way, coming up in our next hour. We're going to have a closer look at some of the bargains, some of the best-selling items that you can find on Amazon today. Okay, we a little deep dive. Mm-hmm. Let's get a check of the forecast. All right, maybe you might want to pick up an umbrella or two because we got some severe weather. We're looking at uh, storm hazards of wind gusts, isolated hail, but luckily a low tornado risk from Wausau to Wichita. Tomorrow that moves to the east from Columbus to Shreveport, Birmingham, and Knoxville. We could be looking at some strong winds. 
damaging hail and an isolated tornado or two. It's all part of a cold front that's pushing down out of Canada. These storms will develop overnight into the Midwest. Could see a mix of rain and snow back through the western plains. Then tomorrow, strong storms developing from Texas all the way to Ohio. Damaging winds, heavy rain and lightning possible. Thursday, that moves here into the northeast all the way from New York City down off the Delmarva Peninsula pushing to the east. We could be looking at anywhere from three to six inches of rain in parts of New England, so there could be some localized flooding. And we're watching this tropical disturbance down through the Gulf. This could become a tropical depression in the next two days. There's about a 40% chance of that. And that is your latest weather. Guys, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Roker. Well, up next, you know you send them. Most of us also have our favorites. But the question this morning is, has that beloved GIF or GIF, has it finally jumped the shark? We'll get into that right after this. Just following how to use That's the point. We're back with today. Can't miss love when Jacob Soberoff joins the table. You've Good got morning. something for us. Are today. you guys? Are you guys GIF GIF users? Yes. Yeah. Sure. I know Savannah is because you, you put uh, 100% sad, 0% rad about sitting in traffic. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's your GIF. That was there my GIF. Yeah. It's a very good one. So apparently, guys, uh, they soon might be a thing of the past because according to a new article from the Atlantic, the GIF slash. Uh, GIF? I don't know how to say it. Uh, It's officially on its deathbed. (laughs) Nobody really knows. Uh, They say that the main search engine, Jiffy, (laughs) has seen an overall decline in use and that younger users describe them as cringe Cringe. for boomers. Yeah! For boomers, I guess. That's how old people ruin something else. You love a GIF. I talk with our producer, Pete Breen, every morning. We only talk in GIFs. In text, right? In text. I bet you there are a million Roker GIFs. Don't you think? Oh, yeah, there probably are. I bet you there are. The dancing, the crazy. Yeah, I'm sure. So just because, like, all of us old folks <laughs> like them That's now it's not cool oh my yeah. gosh oh, so many. I, think oh, yeah, I, that. I do love that one. Great. <laughs> my favorite roker gif is the one with the head explosion have you seen that one no. you have your own right i should say He's al has his own al, al, very very good yes i'm sure he does just for that the death of the gif is greatly exaggerated <laughs> just don't come after the emoji Oh, like, if I didn't have the time. LOL emoji, I would be mute. My sister little sister might be watching this being like, what, oh, what, yeah. what is she like? Sorry, Leia. They, this is replaced, the <laughs> they re- they're replacing the GIF with these little videos, these quick videos that have sound. They're, they're movies, Greg. Yeah. yeah. Movies. <laughs> <laughs> like five seconds. <laughs> motion pictures. Five seconds. Motion pictures with sound. Ah, that's those things called the talkies? I've seen the kids use them in color and everything. Oh, all right. All right, guys, just ahead, we're going to gear up for a very special visit with the one. The only Jimmy Fallon <laughs> yeah. stopping by live. He's going to tell us about the new book he co-wrote. Get get this with Jennifer Lopez. Wow. Well, then Chef Bobby Flay back in Studio One A this morning, putting his signature spin on a popular breakfast oh. dish. Your family's going to love this. Hi, Bobby. Cute, cute. 